This Morning's Person. Now, global demand for K-beauty, not just Korean culture, but Korean beauty is on the rise. More so than ever, not just because of those dramas and K-pop, but because skincare here and cosmetic products from this country are becoming increasingly acclaimed as being advanced among world counterparts. To meet this demand, a Harvard Business School graduate is spreading the know-how and bringing the best K-beauty products to the United States through an online platform. For this morning's person, let's welcome on the line Alicia Yoon, the founder of Peach and Lily. Fantastic to have you on the line. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be on the line. Well, it's great to see you getting so much publicity and in the process helping to uh, bring awareness to this country. But can you start with your own story of your interest in K-beauty? It was quite personal, I understand. Yeah, so I grew up with eczema. I still have eczema, so always struggling with itchy skin, very, very dry skin. I was also a platform diver, so being in and out of the pool really didn't help too much. And when I was a high school, um, I actually went to an international school in Korea. And as a high school student, I ended up very incidentally and serendipitously, it turns out, going to a beauty school. Mm. And that's when I first started um, learning about skincare and the skin histology um, and started my training as an esthetician in Korea. And that was the first time that I realized that skincare is so scientific in many ways. It's not just a lot of marketing, um, you know, taglines, and there's a real science behind it. And so that was, you know, I'm dating myself now, but that was back in 1999. Um, and since then, you know, I've just really been a skincare um, fan, very, very, you know, into trying out all of the latest and greatest. And because I went to school in Korea, um, really started with the Korean beauty products and of course you know friend I am Korean so also just having it passed down from my mom and my grandmother um so that was you know just kind of a lifelong hobby if you will mm. and then you know sort of uh, more formally in 2010 when I started working at BCG I started taking on a lot of beauty clients as a consultant um and that kind of um fanned the flame even more. And so that was, you know, my story around really digging deep into K-beauty. Yeah, because there is a big leap, isn't there, from being someone with eczema, seeking skin solutions, being interested in the science behind it, and then taking that into your own company. Did, did you feel nervous about that step? Can you tell us a bit more how you brought that into reality? For me, I grew up with a grandfather who is a serial entrepreneur. Um, you know, he's just done everything from restaurant chains to real estate to consumer product goods to agriculture. And, you know, I always in the back of my mind thought I would love to be an entrepreneur. But the problem was, you know, with what idea? And also, you know, it seemed very daunting. How do you even go about starting a company? Um, so I ended up, you know, after going to the international school in Korea, I went to Columbia University for my undergraduate years. And that was, you know, I graduated in 2004, and that was prime time, you know, finance and banking in New York at the time. So, you know, I then went on to Goldman Sachs for a couple years, and I worked at Accenture. 
I went to Harvard Business School, and during that time, I started tinkering around with entrepreneurial ideas. And I actually started this fashion company where I was importing fashion designers from Korea and showcasing them into the U.S. And sizing ended up being a bit of an issue, so I thought, okay, that's not a very scalable idea. And after that, that's when I went to the Boston Consulting Group. And it was interesting because during that time, I always thought, okay, when I have a great idea, I definitely want to try my hand at starting a business. And I think, you know, of course, doing finance, consulting, going to business school kind of set the business foundation for really kind of getting, getting the courage to, to do that. Um, but I think it was really the excitement around the idea. I was, um, you know, it was interesting that I was like a light bulb went off in my head when I was um, at a big global beauty brand. And there was a R&D scientist walking down the hallway. He was just trying to make small talk. He was like, are you Korean? And I was like, I am. And he was like, your country makes the best skincare. And I stopped him and I thought, I thought it was just arbitrary that I really love Korean beauty products. You know, could you please tell me from a very scientific perspective why you think it's the best? And he was telling me about how the formulas are really so advanced. You know, he said even 10 years more than so many other labs worldwide. And it's all about absorbability in skincare and how much the ingredients will penetrate through the skin and really work at a cellular level. And that was very fascinating to me. And I thought, wow, there's validation. All of these products that I've loved, it's not just because I'm Korean or, you know, it's my bias. I thought there's a real opportunity here. And there weren't that many Korean beauty products available stateside. So I think just always having that goal of wanting to do my own startup um, and then once that kind of insight was shared with me and combining that with my passion for skincare and with Korean beauty products I thought this is the idea so actually you know I didn't even um, really think about what's my business model how am I going to go about doing this I just went straight to HR and I was like as soon as this project is over I need to stop working here because I'm going to start my own company so that's kind of how it happened. Yeah. I mean, you had this great reputation among experts, obviously, when you started. But from what you've said in the United States, for example, that wasn't generally known. How has that changed since you uh, started Peach and Lily back in 2012? Oh, the world of a difference. Back in 2012, it was really interesting. Even the market research, when I would talk to consumers about Korean beauty, it was all, I've never really heard of Korean beauty or, you know, I've heard of products from Japan. I'm not so sure, you know, what, what kind of products are from Korea. Um, and when I would meet with even media outlets, a lot of editors might say, this is a little bit niche for our readers. Or when I would meet with retail partners, uh, because we also distribute the products, uh, as well as being a retailer ourselves, you know, many of them would say, I'm not so sure, you know, these brands are relatively unknown. Maybe this is a bit specific or would only be appealing to a certain demographic. Um, so it was, you know, after starting Peach and Lily in 2012, it was about a year and a half of just education, really helping to inform the market, really creating a market for Korean beauty products, a lot of education towards consumers, media, retail partners, et cetera, to really explain why Korean beauty is relevant, why that could be for everybody in the U.S. and not just Koreans. Um, and, you know, I think one of the things that makes me the happiest in doing Peach and Lily is seeing, you know, now in 2017, Korean beauty 
is a known thing in the U.S. Major national retailers, we work with, you know, many of them, they have huge sections dedicated to Korean beauty, you know, not just one or two products, but an entire wall. Um, you know, media is excited to talk about Korean beauty as they see that the stories do really well. Readers love to learn more about the philosophy and the product. So it's a really different environment now. Mm. Now, obviously, here in Korea, it's a fairly homogeneous society compared with the United States. Do you battle against stereotypes of, of skin coloration or oily versus dry skin, that sort of thing, when you're trying to, to market these? No, I wouldn't say. I would say sometimes things are a little bit lost in translation. So definitely some products that deal with hyperpigmentation of skin, it's really to help brighten the skin and combat those dark spots. But many Korean brands might just call it whitening. Yes. So we often have to help brands redo the copy to better explain the real benefit of the product. But I would say the only time I saw any real um, issue with products would be in makeup. So, you know, there might not be foundations for a wider range of skin colors and skin tones. So I would say that's a real shortcoming in the makeup category. But with skincare, other than redoing some of the copy, the products are really geared towards different skin types, as you mentioned, dry skin, oily skin, et cetera. And across, you know, all different um, ethnic backgrounds, et cetera, people will deal with those same skin concerns and issues. So we've actually seen that translate over really, really well. But I would say that there is a little bit of a hurdle to explain to somebody who might not have heard about Korean beauty otherwise, to explain, oh, no, it's not just for Koreans or Asians. This is for, you know, anyone with very sensitive skin or this product is for anybody with acne-prone skin. Um, but for the most part, it hasn't been a huge issue in skincare. Mm. We also locally, I notice, have some sometimes bizarre ingredients. Well, they might be perceived as bizarre ingredients to an American mm -hmm. uh, consumer. For example, snail cream or um, even just some specifically Korean ingredients uh, from green tea to ginseng, for example. Um, does that ever become part of your marketing ploy to differentiate yourself? So I would say that we don't necessarily like to with ingredients only if it's going to be for the fact that it would be a bit sensational. Um, our curation process is all about results, quality, efficacy, innovation, a point of difference. Um, and we focus group test everything. We are extremely picky when we um, curate products just because it needs to stand for Korean beauty as a whole mm. and we want to do that justice. So we would say out of 100 brands we look at, we probably have like a 5 to 7% pick rate or curation rate. Um, and so sometimes, though, of course, some of these great brands that we curate will have ingredients that are not as common in the U.S., like snail cream or bee venom. Um, and so there is definitely a lot of education around that to say no snails are harmed, you know, the snail enzyme is really purified and filtrated and then included in the product. But also, you know, after all that education, we actually see that these unique ingredients that are not as common in the U.S. end up doing really well because a lot of beauty users are thinking, 
well, I've tried these other products before with pretty common ingredients, and that hasn't really worked for my skin. So this is kind of new hope for me, and they're really excited about that, and we see it kind of take on this viral form. So once it passes the curation process, regardless of whether the ingredient is common or not common in the U.S., we do see that some of the more unfamiliar ingredient stories will do really well. Well, clearly, I'm not um, an aficionado myself, but I have a wife and two daughters and probably am still quite a big consumer of cosmetics. <laughs> so um, I've taken great interest in what you've had to say, and hopefully you've inspired a few others to get involved in exporting Korean products abroad. Alicia Hyun, thank you for being this morning's person. Yeah, absolutely. So happy to be on the, uh, the line. Good luck. We look forward to catching up with you again in the future. Um, Alicia Hyun there from Peach and Lily, this morning's person. Radio that matters. Every morning with This Morning.